I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura On Street, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business with topics ranging from spiritual self-development, human design, astrology, metaphysics, and everything in between. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight. I am your host, AC Brown. I am your psychic channel and spiritual confidant. And I wanna thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight. As you can see from the title of this episode, this is the about me episode. I know, right? Weird, (laughs) but I was thinking about so many um, questions that I get asked or that run through my mind and people always, you know, say, oh, you know, tell me about yourself. And, you know, and I'm always like, well, what do you want to know? Where should I begin? And so I pulled Instagram to just see what people wanted to know that they didn't. And I felt that this was a good opportunity for me to just use this platform to just tell you about me and let you know a little insight. Now, I'm not going to answer all of the questions because some of them are overlapping, but I'm going to answer majority of them. So this is going to be a pretty longer episode. Um, I'm not going to go in any particular order. It's going to go (laughs) whatever way it goes. So let's just start with a question that pops out to me because I printed them all out and how and where did you grow up? And it's so funny that this question was asked because where and how I grew up was extremely, is extremely important to me. Um, I grew up in Queens, New York, Queens represent, um, born and raised in Queens. And then I spent half of my time in Jersey and then where I am now in the DC, Maryland area. And my time in Queens, growing up in Queens, my childhood was lit. Um, Now it wasn't like perfect. And granted, there was a, you know, everybody has their own level of dysfunction, of course. But for the most part, um, I grew up in Jamaica, Queens. And I grew up in a very nice working um, upper middle class kind of neighborhood where um, it was, I guess, one of the neighborhoods where um, how can I put this? Like, um, my, where my grandmother's house was, it was, you know, that generation of when, um, black people were, you know, career driven and, you know, first started buying homes and all of that stuff. And so the neighborhood that I grew up in, St. Albans, Jamaica, um, all of that, like Adelaide Park is what it's called around there. Very, very um, tight knit community. Um, very progressive. Um, lots of professionals. So um, a lot of my grandmother's friends, my grandmother was a housewife, but my grandfather was, um, he worked for the post office and he was also in the military. Um, and my grandmother also um, ran a daycare. Um, her daycare um, raised, I would say probably like three generations of a neighborhood. And so, you know, everyone went to my grandmother, um, for daycare. And then when they had kids, their kids came, etc. So that's part of it. And, you know, there were principals and superintendents and mechanics and teachers, and that's how the neighborhood was. And, um, very, very tight knit, like, um, you know, a lot of, the people or my grandmother's friends, um, my grand, my father's friends, well, mother's, you know, grandparents, friends, you know, they knew each other from the South or something like that. Like for, um, just for instance, my, um, elementary school principal went to elementary school with my grandmother in Augusta, Georgia. So it, it was that type of like community environment. Um, we had the block association, there was block parties and trips, very, um, progressive, Um, so that's where and how I grew up, um, in a really, uh, I can't explain it. Like I just, I really love, love my childhood and all the, 
the faults that you kind of have that, you know, and the traumas that you have overall, my childhood was really, really amazing. Um, and I appreciate, and I'm so thankful for where and how I grew up. Um, because, uh, you know, I chose, I chose it. (laughs) I chose, I chose this life. Um, as we all know, our souls do that. So that's that question. Um, and then we'll go to some, it's sort of the same question. Like, can you tell us about your family and ancestors? Um, my grandmother was a healer. Um, she was into numerology before I know what numerology was. Um, that's why I like when people don't know their birth times, I get so like perplexed because my grandmother literally, I remember her as a child calling all across the country in the South, wherever and whoever anybody was born, like that would be the first thing that they would do is call my grandmother and give them, give her the birth time. And she would keep it in this Bible and she had everyone's birth date and birth time written down um, for spiritual reasons, whatever. So and a lot of my healing kind of practices and things like that um, definitely came from her. Um, someone also asked, like, does, you know, what's your family like and and what are their aura types? I've majority of my family are generators um some projectors um but everyone definitely has the gift as they say in the south I think everyone in my family has some sort of intuitive psychic gift whether or not they use it is one thing um one thing that is a common theme um I didn't get it but a lot of people in my family can draw um and what I mean draw like are really amazing artists like from a young age my cousins can draw two of my cousins can draw my mother can draw like when I was growing up on my book reports my mom would draw like scenes on on my page and my teachers be like you didn't do this and I'm just like so what um so and my mom was you know went to art school and then of course that wasn't practical so then she you know went to school business school to you know, be an accountant. Um, so, you know, that kind of thing kind of happened. So it was that, you know, for them, my parents was that type of era. My dad actually, um, is artistic as well. He went to, um, if you're from, if you're from New York, he went, my dad went to fashion high school. He wanted to be a menswear designer. Um, but of course that wasn't practical. So he went to school to be an accountant. So that's how him and my mom met. Um, Another question is, I like this question, um, is what, what are your experiences when you first trusted it was spirit communicating with you? Um, my experiences were interesting because I remember when I was really, really young, gosh, um, on the playground. And I remember we were on the playground as it was in the morning. I was probably in kindergarten or first grade. And I remember very, very vividly, there was this girl, I don't know the girl, she was probably in another class, but they were playing double dutch, they were playing jump rope. And I was just standing watching them and I felt a male presence kind of um, come next to me. And it, I don't know if it was her grandfather or what, but the male presence wanted me to go and give her a hug. And I was just like, no, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable doing that. So that was one of the like first things that I noticed um and then there were other stuff that you know my grandmother noticed you know me knowing who called who died um me being able to pick numbers like lottery stuff and all of that those things or I would just really know stuff or I would ask questions to my mom like I wonder if this person is such and such and she was like why would you say that or how did you know that there was a lot of that and also to um I'm an only child, so I'm the only, only child in my family on both sides. Everyone else on both sides of my family have brother and sisters. I do not. Um, So I was very quiet and shy growing up. But looking back, I was really assessing energy. Um, I I knew I I was doing that. I I did that very, very easily. Um, 
growing up. So I would go into the space and just be quiet and I would be able to pick up how the vibe was, what was going on and all of those things. Another question is how did HD find you? So HD human design found me in a very interesting place. I had um, moved to Maryland and I was interning at a commercial photographer studio and the resident makeup artist, you know, every time it just so happened that every time she was working, I was interning that day and we were in between shoots and she was like this yogi vegan person. And she would just be like, oh my God, AC, you need to find out your aura type. I'm a manifesting generator. And she was just going on and on and on. She's like, yeah, there's five aura types and it's amazing. And I'm supposed to do this and I can do that and all of this stuff. And I was like, okay, girl. And so she was going, you know, on and on about the, the types. And I was just like, yeah, I'm a manifester. Like, I just like, yeah, I know that I'm a manifester. Like, I was just like, yeah, I'm a manifester. Cause she was like, yeah, the manifestors are the only ones who can just go out and do things. And I was like, yep, that's me manifester AC. And so she was like, I'm gonna, you know, hook, you know, give you this website and, um, And then I'm going to send you this lady and then she can read your chart. And so when I did it, it was like projector. I was like, excuse me, what is going on? I was so pissed off. I was like in tears, like crying. And then I had the reading and she was just like, yeah, you know, this is how it works and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I don't want it to work like that. Like I go out and make things happen. I, you know, do this and do that. And of course, um, it just, it was spot on. (laughs) It was spot on. It was, there was nothing odd about me being a projector. It was absolutely 1000% accurate. And I was just like, wow. So this is, and then I started, you know, coming to terms like, okay, this is how I have to live or this is how it's supposed to be kind of thing like don't be upset like you know and just thinking about how it was actually my life how I actually wasn't able to um anything that I like really kind of pushed and forced it definitely didn't happen and I was just like why is that happening because you know both of my parents are pure generators so they go out and they do stuff and they, you know, and they work and they, you know, so that's, I have a very, that kind of like aggressive, like, Oh, hustle and all of that hustle culture and all of that stuff. So it was just very odd, but it's totally fine. Um, here I am. (laughs) So, and then I started studying it. Me and a friend, were going to open up a practice together. She backed out. We had all this, spent all this money on trainings. And then I just started keep on studying it myself and analyzing people. And then I also had my life coaching certification at the time. So I was like, Oh, I'll figure out how to use it. And then here I am. And that's how I like got into HD. Um, Another question is, did you have a lightning bolt moment on your spiritual career path? Not a moment per se, but a, Oh, okay. (laughs) This is what I'm doing. And I say that to say, I've literally, I am the, because I knew I was psychic for a very long time or for a majority part of my life, you know, I either, either kept it to myself or I would tell people. Um, and I was, I was the person in school that knew everybody's business because everyone would feel so comfortable telling me, I mean, people who I wasn't even like best friends with, like I was also the person who didn't like I was popular but I was the popular person that was solo dolo like I didn't hang around with a crew really I was on like on my own but I knew people would come to me and just like tell me all of their stuff and I would know it um and I would know when things would happen so it wasn't like a lightning bolt moment per se it was more of a let me investigate what this actually looks like for me to do this as a career. And so and that's how the life coaching thing happened. I was like, oh, OK, I'll be a life coach. That makes sense. And then, of course, you know, the secret was out and all. I was like, oh, OK, this makes sense. Life coaching. 
the secret, all of that stuff. Um, I was like, this makes sense. And so I went that path. But what would happen is through like life coaching training, um, true life coaching is literally asking questions and having the other person answer and figure it out on themselves. And I, and that didn't sit well with me because that wasn't happening because I would start hearing things or I would start having visualizations or, you know, dead people would start coming in. I'm just like, well, this ain't gonna work. I need to give this person this message. And so that's where it, I knew that life coaching wasn't going to be what it traditionally looked like for me if that makes sense. So I just had to like kind of, all right, well, um, oh, okay. I'll, I'll make it work. I'll figure it out myself. And so that's, so it wasn't like necessarily an aha moment. It was more like, a this is what I'm doing. <laughs> like, this is what I'm doing. And I ran for so long from the mediumship side of it because I was like, I don't feel like dealing with that. Um, that's, it's a lot. Um, especially when you're a child and when you're a teenager and those things happen, it's, it's a lot for you. Okay. So it's, it's, so anybody's like, I'm afraid I totally understand. So anyone who's listening to this, who has, you know, unclaimed divine talents, I know what it's like to be afraid, but you, it doesn't have to be a movie. Like Hollywood has literally ruined the, these divine talents for us and making them now don't get me wrong there are people who have gifts at that heightened level who are clear enough channels and things like that who are you know tapped in all of that stuff who can do those things but it's it doesn't have to be that way um at all like yeah and I'm I'm definitely um so happy that I'm going to be showing you all how <laughs> very soon. Anyway, um so the next question, what is the truth that God placed within you um to reveal to the world? I love this. Um for so long, one of the bigger things that I've always heard from spirit from God is that what we desire desires us. Um what the desires are in our heart are actually um, meant for us to have. It's not like a, a lie. Um, and so that's why it's really important for me to, you know, be a divine guide to, you know, the just what you're doing in your direction. And I'm, I feel so strongly and about this is that when we do get that tiny pull, when we do get that pull, within us to do something, to go somewhere, to try something new, that we really have to go that way. Even though we don't know what's gonna happen, that's the next step. And many of us um, feel stuck and feel like we are in this place of waiting. We're not waiting. Um, I always say this, you know, sometimes God's waiting on you. And just like hanging around, sometimes spirits like waiting on you, like, yo, like I gave you that little pull to go that way. Just go like I got you. But, you know, conditioning, a lot of things are scary out here. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen last year, all of that stuff. Um, but hopefully now in this new world that we're in, that we can embrace uncertainty and know that uncertainty um, births change for the better that it helps us gain more clarity more access so I would say for me that's really what I'm trying to show the world is that you don't have to just assimilate you don't have to just you know do what people expect of you you can choose your own path you can choose your own direction and it can be everything that you truly want it to be so another question is um how did you know you were ready to share your gifts as gifts and not just IG musings? I love this question. I did not know. I was scared as fuck. Um, excuse my language. I did not know. Um, I, for a long time on my Instagram, I never even showed my face. I was very, very afraid um, to put myself out there, put myself out in the world. And then 
I just got a message like, how are you going to help people if you can't even help yourself kind of thing or not help myself, but if you can't even put yourself out there and show the world, all of that stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And I did it. And I, it's, it started off slow, but I'm here. Um, Cause you know, outside of social media, I've been doing this for a long time, a long time, um, longer than 10 years. And I'm not saying the human design part, but just guiding people, you know, um, the psychic stuff, all of, I've been doing this for a long time, just naturally in my own just being. And so it, IG was just an extension. The internet was just an extension of it. Cause this is who I was in life. Um, you know, being around people, people asking me questions, reading them all like, that's just what it was for that or is for me. Next question is how does it work when you are channeling? So everybody is different for me. I usually, um, hear and see. So it is an actual spirit guide coming through one of my guides coming through and I see them and they are talking to me um, or I hear a voice and then I see a scene. Um, and so that's how it works for me. Um, usually, depending on where I'm at, if I'm in the shower, it's usually just um, a voice or a tone and then I start and then I hear it and then I just, you know, I can start talking or whatever. If it's, if it's something that if a guide or something wakes me up in the middle of the night, it's definitely a voice. Um, when I'm channeling for other people, it's a combination of a voice and a, uh, image when I am doing mediumship or when someone's, you know, lost, you know, fallen, fallen or lost when someone's ancestor or someone whose past comes through it usually starts a, it's a scene plays like a movie for me. I never, um, that's not right. Not that I never hear, but I mostly see. So for me, my mediumship is always first clairvoyant first. Um, and then it's funny. That is interesting. Hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, yeah, nobody ever talks when, uh, I know what they're saying, but I don't hear any voices. Um, usually like I hear words come out my mouth when it's someone's ancestor. And if it's the actual ancestor, I don't hear any words come out their mouth. I just hear them talk. But if it's my guides coming through with a person, I'll hear my guides say something. So yeah, that's how it works for me channeling. Um, what has been the biggest obstacle in your human design deconditioning? True, listen, it's still a big obstacle. And it's just, um, so when I first got into human design, of course, the thing for projectors, the projectors are not here to work and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, um, I have bills. What do you mean? Um, and I, you know, I have to survive. And that's, you know, all of those things that, so I think what the biggest hurdle or obstacle for me deconditioning was actually just understanding that me just existing can support myself and provide stability for myself. And what I mean by just existing, not you, not saying that I just don't do anything that I don't work or anything like that, because that's not the case. Um, it's more that I didn't have to um, grind or hustle, which none of us do. None of us need to grind or hustle. Um, but for projectors, manifestors and reflectors, we literally can't. Like, I don't have the energy to do that. Like, I can't do what a project, I mean, excuse me, what a manifesting generator does or generator does um, energetically. And they shouldn't be grinding either. But I like to explain it that like, you know, a generator or a manifesting generator can look at work and say, okay, I have this big project to get done today. I can put my energy towards this project for today and get it done. 
me as a projector or non-sacral energy, sometimes I don't even have the energy to put towards it. So that's the difference. And that's what I had to understand that I don't need to push past that, not even having the energy point because I've spent my whole life pushing past that because, you know, common thing for projectors is that they hear that they're lazy and that's not it. I don't have the energy. So, you know, pushing past that mentally. Um, next question is, um, can you share more details about your spiritual journey? My spiritual journey started very young. Um, I remember, <laughs> this is a funny story. If any of my cousins listen to this, um, when we were younger, there was this Ouija board that we were not allowed to touch. Like we were not allowed to touch it. And it's like a little family myth that someone used it and they want a whole bunch of money. And my grandmother was like, don't touch it anymore. Um, So spirituality has always been a theme. I don't remember my life without spirituality, without like root work. My grandmother was, you know, she's a healer. So her making different concoctions and lighting candles. And that was very big rituals, all of that. That was extremely big in my life. So there's not a moment where, I literally there's I don't have a memory of me not having a problem or trying to manifest something or trying to get movement on something and me not lighting a candle because that's that's literally my life of going to the store with my grandmother getting some candles you know whether she would go see a her one of her ladies um as she would say which are like you know one of her psychics or something like that and they would give her some things some tools and we go home, she do her ritual, like, like, so there's, I don't remember my life not being like that at all. Um, especially when bad things happened. I, I just don't remember that. Um, so the, I don't know how to t- say details about that. I think for me, it was just more personal journey wise, like, how do I navigate this? Um, and what do I do with it? So the next question is, which these are really like these questions, like what what inspires your creativity? What are you reading? And what's your daily routine? So my daily routine has definitely changed. Um, for so long, I was trying to like just wake up early in the morning and be this like morning. I'm not a morning person. I like waking up when I feel like it. And that's not true. I wake up between, I would say probably like eight or nine thirty. Cause that works for me, but people are like, Oh wow, that's late. But I'm also up. I'll work until 10 PM at night. And then I'm not going to bed until 12 or one o'clock in the morning. So waking up at nine o'clock is not like crazy. So I'm just out of that of where I have to wake up and seize the day. Like there are 24 hours in the day. I can choose the 12 hours that I want to work. Um, and, and it doesn't have to consist of waking up at the crack of dawn um, to do so. What am I reading? Um, I'm actually reading, um, we should all be millionaires by Rachel Rogers. Um, I started reading that well, listening to it and reading at the same time. I do that a lot. I buy the audible and I get the book and I do it simultaneously. Um, and it helps me retain information. So, and what inspires my creativity? I would say, Hmm, I'm aesthetics. I'll just say that one word, aesthetics. I'm super big on design and aesthetics and the way things feel, the vibe, the energy of something. Um, I Listen, if you have good product packaging, baby, you have a customer in me. I don't even care if it works. I'm like, oh my God, look at the packaging. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> so aesthetics inspire my creativity. I love color. I love modern things. I love, you know, I have a Taurus moon, so I love environments, but aesthetics are my thing. This question, I think I answered this, but what was the pivot? There was a pivotal moment that led or called me to become a guide. There was no moment. It was just me. This literally, I think about this all the time. This has literally been my life. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. Like this has literally been my life for as far as I can remember. 
you know, I remember being in high school and telling people, you know, based off of their natal charts, like, this is not going to work out. <laughs> and it's just like, people are like, what do you mean? I'm in love with him. And I'm like, you guys are going to break up. You won't even talk to him next week. You know, like I would just know stuff like that and it would happen. Um, that happens all the time though. Like, um, when I've made, you know, predictions or I've done readings, um, people come back and be like, girl, you remember to, you remember in 2015 when you told me blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, they were like, girl, it happened, but I didn't say anything. Cause I was mad. And I was just like, okay. Um, so in that, you know, I'll segue into that. And that's, a big thing that a lot of people who have these amazing unclaimed divine talents experience um, because there you do spend a portion of, especially if you want to do this work. And I wouldn't even say if you want to do this work, if you know you have some type of divine talent, you spend that time trying to get validation and from, you know, as you know, when you're training anywhere, the sitter from someone who's sitting or someone who you're giving the information to, you want that validation. And it's, it's, it's twofold. It's your ego wants that validation to know that you're right. And also just the human side of you wants to know that you're right. Because, you know, there's a lot of ethics in this field that have to be taken into account. So, you have to have your own boundaries. There's some people, you know, when I was getting mentored by people, you know, never do the D's don't discuss disease, death or divorce, like keep that out of the way. Like if you see it, just mind your business kind of thing. Um, when you see something like that and I totally have like applied that, like there's been times where I knew someone was going to die and it would just be like, no, I wouldn't, I don't make that call and say, I'm like, oh, you know, have you spoken to this person kind of thing? You want to maybe check on them. You want to, you know, whatever, make amends with them, et cetera. Um, because that's just how I've been trained. You don't talk about that stuff. Some people don't, I, I stopped doing love readings a long, long, long time ago, <laughs> a long time ago. Um, because it's just, it's just not worth my headache. And any tarot reader, any psychic will tell you some people enjoy it. Some people, you know, cause some people that's, listen, that's where the money resides. Um, but some people don't mind doing it, but I gave that up a long time ago. It's exhausting because when you go to someone regarding a love issue, you know what the issue is and you know what the outcome is that you're feeling. And so when they pick that up or when they see that you get upset because you want to hear something else. I think the way that love readings kind of help people is when they just are looking for confirmation for, you know, to move forward or take the next steps. But some people can become addicted to that. So I definitely don't do that. Um, no love reading. So, you know, what made me feel called or whatever, it was just, it's always been a natural part of me. Someone said, what made you take the break? And are there signals we can to watch for to do the same? That was a good question. Um, breaks are good. Um, I know when I need a break, when I, I'm not thinking, when I'm not creating or being creative. So I take breaks and breaks are good for me. And breast is good. If you don't, you know, you know, follow some of those, you know, the major rest accounts and people like, like just, yeah, rest is, rest is good. Rest is needed. So I know when I need a break because I'm irritable because I, I start feeling really down. I'm not positive. I feel like I'm pushing, pushing, pushing a lot. So when I stop pushing, I know I need a break. Someone asks, what are your, some unique cool skills that you know, I know how to sew like so so like I can make clothes I can take a pack of sheets and make really nice curtains out of um I cannot bake at all uh I'm not a good baker I'll just leave it at that I can sew I can sew really really well I used to write screenplays and speaking about my old writing partner but who is still a friend 
um, Rob asked a silly ass question. Um, so I know he's going to be listening to this talking about how how what did he ask something about how do you know rob g oh something silly something silly as hell um yeah oh how did you get to know someone um as dope as rob g um rob and i met in college this is this i'm literally doing this for him because he asked me this rob and i met in college we became really good friends we decided that we were going to write screenplays and sell them so we started writing them go to LA start pitching and all of that stuff and we're friends (laughs) there you go Rob um but yes so I used to write screenplays and then I also spent time at NYU School of Continuing Professional Studies to get a TV and film certificate there um because I wanted to be a TV and film producer at one point but that kind of died. I spent two years in acting school. I mean, there's tons of things that I know how to do, but I mean, a unique thing is I know how to sew. And yeah, like, so, so like I was supposed to, I was supposed to go to like a fashion school, but I changed my, I don't know what happened. I changed my mind or who knows what happened. I don't remember exactly what made me go to regular college. Um, but yeah, I wanted I wanted a creative life very early on. And I think my parents projected their old fears onto me and I did the practical route. So someone asks, what did life look like for me in my younger adulthood? A hustler. That's what it looked like. Um, very ambitious. Very. I just wanted so much for myself and I was willing to try anything um, to do it. Yeah, at one point, I wanted to be in PR so, so bad. Me and a college friend started a little PR agency. It was very little. It was me, her, and our business cards and two-way pagers. Um, (laughs) We had Motorola two-way pagers. And um, we started it, and we threw, like, two events that bombed. And, yeah, that was that. And I was going to take it very seriously and go get an internship at one of the most popular or she was at the time the publicist, especially she was a black woman. And I had an internship for her company and I was super excited. And my internship interview was on 9-11 and the rest is history. The world changed and then that trajectory kind of changed for me. So that was me during my younger adulthood. What is your philosophy on race when it comes to human design and how it relates to black people? This was, this is a great question. Um, and the reason why it's a great question is for the simple fact that that was the biggest thing for me. When I, when human design found me, I was like, this is amazing. This is phenomenal. And then you, especially as a projector, you're like, but this doesn't make sense, you know, because I literally remember watching a video on YouTube with someone saying, yeah, you know, I remember getting laid off from a job and this was a white man saying this, you know, and I just, you know, just waited around and, and someone gave me a call and, you know, that's how I got my next job. And that's, you know, the projector life. And it was just like, but mm, that doesn't add up for me because that's never been my life, being able to just sit and wait. And so that's when some of the um, discrepancies started happening for me in human design where I was like, well, hmm, this doesn't work for me. This didn't, you know, didn't work for my dad or my mom or my cousins, like, you know, looking at our lives. And I was just like, oh, privilege. Wait a minute. Privilege. Here we go. And so that's that's why I'm always, you know, I'm going to talk more in depth about my 80-20 belief. But that's why, you know, the 80-20 belief is, you know, 80% of these modalities and tools, astrology, human design, um, numerology, um, the you know, these things are very, very accurate. 80% of them are accurate. And then you have the 20%, which is socioeconomic status, race, the way you were raised, all of these things, religious, all of these things that we can get conditioned by where the 20% sometimes outweighs the 80%. Of course, the goal is to get to the 80%, but 
the 20% is real. It's actual factual things that we cannot overlook. And so that has been always my kind of gripe with human design is, you know, that it doesn't include those factors. And I don't want to hear anybody like everybody has opportunity. Everybody has, you know, gets the same blood. That's bullshit. Um, so, and it's not saying that we have to stay in that place or live there, but that is not truth. That is not the truth. So those, that's my philosophy when it comes to race, um, especially when it relates to black people and human design or any person of color, a marginalized person of color um, in these modalities is that we have to account for um, the system, systematic racism. We ha- that's a real thing. So yes, as a projector, I need to wait for invitations, but as a black woman, I also have to apply with, you know, I, I, you know, and this is a real thing. I I can't put my, my government name on, you know, when I was in corporate America, I, I learned that very, very, very early on. I cannot put my government name on, um, a resume, um, because my name, um, is sounds ethnic. And so that would put me to the bottom of the pile or not at all. So I would, you know, that's why I started just using my initials um, in, you know, in things like that, because that's a real thing. I mean, my, my parents have Catholic names, very simple names. <laughs> um, so my parents have Catholic names, so it was a little bit easier for them. Um, but that is very common, um, for, you know, so when it comes to, you know, being a projector and being black and the human design system and all that stuff. It's like, I have to tweak this for me. And that is a real thing. So granted the system, you know, astrology, human design is a phenomenal tool. These are actual things. But for me, I had to tweak it. I think that's why when I talk about it, why people say that it's relatable because my, um, viewpoint is very different because I have a different viewpoint of the world in general. Next question is, what did you love doing as a child? I love daydreaming and talking to my imaginary friends. <laughs> That's what I did. I had imaginary friends. Um, one of them was uh, Diana Ross, which was my mother and Alex P. Keaton um, from Family Ties, Michael J. Fox, which was my boyfriend. I had um, I had birds when I was younger and they were named after chip like Alvin and the chipmunks. Um, but I had Prince, a pr- name, pr- bird named Prince Apollonia. Yes. Um, and of course, Alvin and they were oh, my birds will always die. But that's not that's besides the point. That's blame that on my parents um, for sure. But I love drawing. I love sewing. Um, I've been sewing since I was a very small child and like needle and thread. Oh, and crocheting. Um, that was something that we loved doing together as family, um, crocheting things. Um, can you tell us about your weirdest injury? I would say my weirdest injury is, oh, when I, <laughs> sorry, I'm, cause I'm thinking about my mom. If she listens to this, um, I was lifting weights without any shoes on in my bedroom one day and I dropped a weight on my toe and I had to go to the hospital that's my weirdest industry I dropped a whole ass weight on my toe and it cracked you know my you know my I had to go get it looked at and all of that and they had to put a, a little boot on all of that um next question um when did you realize you were different and had a calling I always knew I was different just because of that, you know, that fact of me being the only, only child. I Like there was, there's a lot of things um, in my family of me feeling different. So I always felt different. That's when I knew I had a calling. I think it was mostly my grandmother who kind of pointed that out. I remember a, a lot of, older people in my life a lot of elders when I was younger they would always tell my parents like she's special she's different um like kind of nurture her and kind of that whole thing and my grandmother was like that as well um so that was yeah 
So that was probably the biggest thing. It was always something like that. Like, oh, she's she's special or she's got something. I would hear that a lot. Or you're going to you're going to do something. And like I would hear stuff like that when I was a child. So I knew I was like, all right, what's that going to be? Um, you know, and then, of course, over time it developed. Um, this one is similar. Can you tell us about your journey into yourself today? It's been a long road, people. OK, it's still a long road. I have a completely open G center. It's never ending. There's, the journey is still continuing. We're still here. Um, journeying and figuring this shit out. Um, that's really all I can say about that. Um, the journey is still happening, but it's, it's a good journey and I, I love it and I appreciate it. And I'm excited for what's to come next. I'm excited for all of the great things that I'm developing that I want. I mean, the best thing that I can say that is happening is the clarity that I'm getting in my life in general, being clear or feeling clear about what you want, what you desire. Oh, you can't beat that. Um, and I believe that comes with age because damn, like the things that I wanted 10 years ago, I do not want shoot the things that I wanted in December. I don't even want them. So <laughs> I would say that's kind of the biggest thing. It's just like the journey is still going, but it's so clear. Like I can see just a clear path and it's really, really beautiful. So I'm excited about that. Next question is how do you begin and run a business as a projector? And can we do it successfully? Absolutely. Anybody can run a business successfully. You just have to know that you are going to fail. That's inevitable. Um, and if you can pick yourself back up from a failure, then that's all good. If you don't like failing, then don't run a business because they go hand in hand. And I'm not saying that you won't have a six, any success, but you will have certain failures um, in your business. And I think you just have to manage your energy. And this is for anyone, not just projectors, but for all of the aura types, you just, you I can't emphasize how, you know, they always say, you know, do what you love and you'll never go a day without working and all of that stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, or, um, what's the other saying, you know, you know, God will kind of make a, a way or a room. He'll make space for your, for your desires. It's true. It's true. Um, you know, like I said earlier, sometimes God is just waiting on us, like just sitting there like, yeah, you ready? You ready B? like, you know, you ready? Like, do you want this or no? Like, I'm going to wait and it's there. But you, sometimes you just have to take the leap and that leap sometimes is just claiming that you actually want it and not being afraid of it. That concludes all of the questions, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, no, I have one more. Um, and I think it's it ties it up is why do you feel called to do this work? Woo. It's similar to that question earlier, but I want to end here is that. And if anybody's, if anybody's listening to this, I want you to know this for sure. You deserve what you desire. You deserve to have a life that you love. You don't have to suffer. You can feel safe. You can feel supported. You can feel secure. And you can, you can have that dream life. Um, don't let anybody tell you you can't have that. Don't let anybody say you can't do something or who are you to have, like, who are you not to have that? Even in the things, the major things that I want, you know, someone say, oh, why, why do you need all of that? Because I do, you know, or why do you want that? Because I want it. Don't let other people's fears get in the way of your destiny and what you want for yourself you can experience a life unlimited. Yes, there's, you know, there's always going to be, you know, someone who needs and all of that stuff. And I just don't want anyone to feel guilty about their desires. I want people to be okay with the direction that they're going through in their life. I know what I'm good at is, you know, guiding people to their direction, showing them the way or saying, hey, you should go this way. 
because of this or what does that feel like you get to have it all and what but that all is what you make that all it doesn't have to look like someone else's all and that's really important so if you take anything away from that as you can see and this is you know only a snippet but there's so much to the journey and as long as you're willing to keep going and don't get me wrong it's not easy Anybody who has unclaimed divine talents who's listening, you don't have to open up shop. I always say that you can use them in the stock market. You can use them in your corporate career. You can use them doing like doing hair, you know, being an event planner, a florist, a baker, um, a real estate. You can use those things in other places because it's your birthright to tap into that and to be an expression of that because that is like pure love of you having your divine talents and expressing them in this lifetime. This lifetime, whatever you are feeling pulled to, listen, just take the next step. I'm not asking you to jump off the ledge, but just take the next step and know that it's there for a reason. It's going to reveal something. It's going to show you something about yourself. You're gonna learn a lesson there are no mistakes. There really is no failure. There's only lessons and challenges and clues to the next step. So that's why I do this work because I really need people to get their souls right. I really need people to understand that you are here to complete a mission. It's your job. That's, that's your only job is to complete what your soul wants for you that's it that's your only job I promise if you can just lean into that things will feel a lot easier it's not going to be as easy all the time but it's going to feel less pressure yeah that's that's what I'll say so I hope that helped I hope you learned a little bit something about me I appreciate you all and until next time thank you for listening to another episode Make sure you have a great day filled with good vibes and great energy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Is My Aura On Street? This podcast was produced by Callie Green and edited by Adam Ross. If you loved this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.